This morning is a privilege to continue our series on, does anyone know what we're looking at this morning? Relationship goals. Very good that it's behind us. This morning we're looking at professional relationships, okay? Anyone heard a sermon on professional relationships before? No, me neither. Who thinks that's a funny thing? Do you know why it's a funny thing? Because God cares about our professional relationships. Now, I'm not talking about somebody's got no mates, so they have to go to rent a crowd. I'm talking about employees. Uh, I'm talking about colleagues, employers, business relationships. Because in our lives, we spend a chunk of time with these people, right? Yes. Yes, and God cares about what those relationships look like. Actually, the gospel cares about what those relationships look like. So this morning, we're going to have a little bit of fun. We're going to go to the Word. We're going to look to see what the Bible says about these types of relationships, what it means for our lives, and we're going to tell a couple of stories. Does that sound good? Now, disclaimer, the stories will not involve cell phones falling in urinals like Pastor Don last week, (laughs) or punching your sister like Pastor John the week before. We probably won't, we won't be talking about urinals and punching sisters, okay? Is that all right? Good. But one thing I am very mindful of as I take a drink is you were right in thinking that with each one of these weeks when we look at a different type of relationship, whether it's our family, our friends, professional, the romantic ones, I bet we were looking forward to next week's message, and even ourself, um, it's, it's easy and you're right to think, don't these all overlap? Who's ever thought that? Aren't they kind of the same? The truth is, yes, a lot overlaps, and that's what I love about the gospel, and what I love about Christianity is you can boil it down to a couple of things, all right? And if you get these, you'll go home with something that will transform your life. But it's true. Mark chapter 12, verse 30 and 31 tells us a very simple key. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, and love your neighbor or love others as yourself. Also in Matthew 7, um, now what's the verse in here? Matthew 7, 12, we'll probably remember this one. It's the golden rule, and it's do unto others as you'd have them do to you, right? Now, here's the challenge. I don't know about you guys, but the first people I think of when I think of loving others as myself or doing unto others as I'd want them to do to myself is my family, my friends, maybe even my church community. Wow, almost went for a fall. But who thinks about that annoying colleague at work? No hands. I thought, oh yeah, Gareth pointed at one, but we won't point out who he pointed to. When I think of that love God with Literally, what that's saying is my entire being, all my passion and my emotion and my strength and my being and my potential, that's an amazing start as a follower of Jesus. 
But as it says in 1 John, how can the love of God be in me if I don't let that overflow into others? So love others as I love myself. Love that annoying colleague at the water cooler as I love myself to see their best. Love, uh, you know, do unto others as I'd have them do unto me. That business deal. (laughs) How am I going to do that in a way that I would want the same deal done to me? You see, you're quite right, and there's a whole lot of overlap when we talk about relationship in every area of our lives. But what I love about this book is it goes a whole lot deeper than that. It's almost like the iceberg, you know? You see that on the top? That's all about relationships. And as soon as we open the Bible, what we see is all of this depth where God cares about the relationship you have with your kids and God cares about the relationship you have with your significant other and even your colleagues or your employees or your boss. So we're going to have a look at that. But before we do... We've got to get one thing right, and that's called perspective. Who knows that with a bad perspective, you look at things badly? Uh, yeah, maybe only a couple of people. Maybe it's just me. Good. I'm glad Kim said that. <laughs> um, yeah, perspective is everything. Um, and I, I was thinking as I was preparing this, I was thinking about a conversation that I had with my kids, okay? So it was a couple of years ago. Um, It was dinner. Being a couple of years ago, it was probably a Saturday um, because I used to unfortunately get home when they were going to sleep most weeks. But um, this is a few years ago. It would have been a Saturday and Kim had just finished cooking dinner, brought it out to the table. All the parents know this kind of scenario. And then as, you know, the perfect Christian dad, I leaned over to my kids and I said, who's going to say grace tonight? And Cole came out with a pearler of a question, all right? He said, Dad, if you guys, and I think this is quite incredible, he must have been, he must have been four or five at the time. Um, This is what he said, he said, Dad, if you guys earn the money and mum made dinner, Why do we have to thank God? (laughs) Which as a parent, we've probably all had that question, and let's not lie to ourselves, we've probably all thought it at one point. Dad, if you guys earn the money and mum just made dinner, why do we wanna why do we need to thank God? And this is why perspective is important. Um, I I gave him an answer which was, um, it wasn't, I didn't pull out a scripture, I just gave him an answer first, but we're going to find a scripture, okay? Uh, My answer was this, Cole, why we thank God is how incredible that he has given us the privilege and the opportunity to be able to work and make money, and Cole, how incredible that God, the creator of the universe, created this amazing thing called food that we all love and the creativity to be able to take these ingredients and make something. Now, God, in his infinite wisdom, has left us a couple of verses that do maybe a better job than I did, okay? And I love this. The first one is found in Deuteronomy, and it's chapter 8. 
And you guys might remember that Israel is coming out of Egypt, coming out of captivity. They've spent some time in the wilderness. Wilderness, a place where they were so dependent on God, right? They're in the desert. Unless God pulls through, we ain't eating. Has anybody been in one of those scenarios where you're desperate and you're praying out to God and you're like, God, unless you pull through, I don't think we're eating. Now, the reality is in 2021, we all do pretty well, right? And God knew as they were heading into the promised land that they were probably going to have a cold moment. That sounds incredible. In case you can't hear online, that is the Air Force flying right over our church. He was like, these guys are going to have a moment, like Cole or Jesse. I've asked that question before. And so in Deuteronomy 8, I love the the start of this chapter is do not forget the Lord. (laughs) Because who knows that when you're in good times and things are going well, it can be easy to forget and go, why do we thank God for these things? I want to earn my pay. I had to get creative and make this, these in- ingredients taste really good. Um, and this is, this is what God outlined for them. And it, sa- it says this, and I'm going to start on verse 17, but on the screen it's going to then go into 18. It says, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. Perspective. God is our source. God is the source of your talent. God is the source of your opportunity to earn wealth. God is the source of your creativity. God is the source of your ability to make a deal because of his covenant. God is our source. It is a reminder when times are good to keep the right perspective. And I love what Paul goes on to say, and he spoke this to the church in Corinth, um, and we find this in 2 Corinthians, and it's chapter 9, and it is verse 10, and it says this, Now he, speaking of God, who supplies seed to the sower, And bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. God loves to supply seed. He loves to supply bread. He enriches us to be generous because the overflow of that generosity turns into what? It turns into praise and thanksgiving. So I didn't really bring this for my lunch today. I brought this to help bring a a point home, okay? And I love this chapter um, because he says a lot of great stuff, but it's those two points, and we've got to get this perspective right. I've got this little packet that I've titled Seeds, because in reality, if I had seeds in my hand, you wouldn't see them. Can we all pretend this is seeds this morning? And in this hand, I have bread. And we've got to remember the reason why we should care 
about why God cares about the professional relationships we have. The way that we do business is because he is our source of seed, our opportunities, our creativity, our work, that we can then create bread, those things that sustain us. He is the source of seed. He is the source of bread. And that is a really important perspective to have because then you realize, and I don't know about you guys, but then you realize that it's not about compartmentalizing, right? We don't just think, okay, the God box is here. That's when I read some scriptures and I do a little prayer and I turn up on Sunday. My family box is here. That's when I've just got to be a really good dad. I've got to tone down the grumbling and the growling and try and be that fun guy um, and, and be a really good husband. And then I've got my box, the other box where I go, oh, just got to get through another week of Monday to Friday. Then we have the great weekend. That's where I do life. Then we have Sunday at church. Come on. And then Monday to Friday. That perspective is important because we know that God is the source. So therefore, we can't treat it as another box. Also, the last piece on perspective, we just want to get right just before we dive in. So we go, why should we care? We should care because God's our source. Also, we should care because God has designed us to work, to be creative, to make things. A bit like a car. Has anybody left a car for a long period of time without driving it? <laughs> the sheepish looks, because who knows what happens? What, what happens beyond a battery going flat? Resident, pastor, and mechanic, what happens when you just leave a car? Things seize up. You know, I recently just got a new car after having my car totaled, unfortunately. Got wrecked. You know what that's like, eh, Ethan? Painful. Sorry, he also just had that experience. Um, and what I realized when I got the new car um, is I've actually never sold a car in working order. <laughs> Terrible. Terrible. Now, this is the first time I've had a car ridden off that was mine. Um, I may have ridden off another car before. That wasn't mine. But um, I'm a great driver, by the way, and completely safe, and don't worry for my kids. And this was ridden off because someone else wrote right into the back of my car, wrote it off. Anyway, now, what, what I've realized, and it's been about three times now, and Kim gives me that look, is um, I have left it in my driveway, I've bought another car, and then I finally get around to selling it, but I've failed to do one thing, keep it going. And more often than not, what has happened is the car seizes up. It's not just a battery thing. I have learned the hard way twice. I'll never do it again. And we are a bit like cars. We're designed to work. Don't believe me? I, I, no doubt there's a few of us sitting here going, you know, I seem to recall a story where a particular couple got kicked out of the garden and uh, then they were told as part of the curse that they'd have to work the ground. 
There's a couple of nods. Well, guess what? When God created the heavens and the earth, what did he say? Genesis 1.26. He made man and woman in his image, and he called us to rule and take dominion over creation. And then it says he took them and placed them in the garden to work and tend to it. We were never designed just to hang out in a garden and do whatever we wanted. We were designed to work and create. Fast forward. Do you know what you read in the final chapters of Revelation? Who's ever thought that going to heaven one day means we're going to sing um, Amazing Grace for the 10,000th time? I bet everyone on the creative team was like, yes. <laughs> and there's a few people like, no. Well, in the final chapter of Revelation, you know what it talks about? That there is a new heaven and a new earth. And it says that we will serve him and we will reign. It's a complete renewal of Genesis, where there's that priestly working and serving, and there's that kingly reigning. That we are designed to work, to create, to make stuff. So, perspective. God is our source, and we are designed to work and to create so, therefore, should, we should care, right? Cool. I'm glad everyone's on board now. Hopefully, no one's sitting there going, this one's not for me. This is for everyone. All right, so, God hasn't called us for, to get rich quick schemes. He's called us to get involved in the world around us. And I want to share just a couple of keys this morning that we can take away that will impact the way that we do work and will impact the way that we have relationship with people around us. The first one, if God cares about my work and what I do, how does that impact the way that I treat others? The first one, if you're taking down notes this morning, is this, to treat people with dignity. If the gospel is going to impact the way that you work, it's going to impact the way that you have your relationship with your employer, employees, other colleagues, other business relationships, the first thing is to treat people with dignity. Now, I love this, Galatians 3.28, and I think this one's going to come up on the screen. Paul wrote this, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, Neither slave nor free, nor there is male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Here is an incredible fact. Did you know when these letters were written, the only place in society where you could turn up and at a table, there was a rich merchant, there was a slave. There were servants, there were people of high stature, low stature, male, female, Jew, uh, Gentile, any nationality. The only place you could find these people all sitting at one table was the church. It was revolutionary. It shouldn't be revolutionary to us now. And it should extend into the way that we treat other people with dignity. 
that in Christ Jesus, we are one. We are at the same table. I'm as much a son of God as the other person. I'm as much somebody that Jesus loves as the next person. And that needs to overflow in the way that we treat people. I'm not saying that all conversations, like we're not saying that all conversations, because we know in business conversations, sometimes conversations need to happen at another, a certain level, um, and other types of conversations might happen in another form of relationship. But what I'm saying is we treat people with the same dignity. And I love this. We're going to go to um, Ephesians 6. So remember, Paul's already saying to the church, remember, guys, in Christ Jesus, we're all one, whether we're slaves, we're free, we're uh, Jews or Gentiles. Listen to this. It's in Ephesians 6. It says, um, and it's talking about, um, about slaves, and it's talking about masters, and I want to clarify that this is not advocating, um, sorry, Advocating, I was like abdicating, advocating slavery. No, this is, this is, Paul wrote a lot about in the different social constructs of the time, how should we act, okay? So we're going to take this and we're going to think about even employers and employees, okay? It says this, slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eyes are on you. <laughs> Who's been there where you are giving 100% or you're giving it all when the employer's watching? I'm glad there's some smiles. There might not be a lot of hands, but there's some smiles. Good on you, woo, putting your hand up. Um, it's, it's easy and it's motivating to give it your all when someone's watching, right? But here he's saying... Uh, even when they're not looking. But like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart, serve wholeheartedly as you were serving the Lord. Here God is challenging us to serve our businesses and our bosses just like we're serving Christ. Man, how does that impact the way you look at it? Because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever he does, whether he's slave or free. And masters, okay, employers, you're not off the hook. Treat your, I'm going to say employers now, in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. I love even in um, even yeah in Colossians, he speaks about the same things and and um, he even brings out that thought in twenty three. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. That's how he tweaks it a little bit, um, and he actually gets a little bit more a little bit more heavy handed with the master, <laughs> which I think is awesome, and that's a good reminder because as Business owners, as employers, as managers, it can be easy to think of people as tools. It's easy to think about people as resources to help you get somewhere, to hit that number at the end of the quarter. But no, God calls us to treat every person with dignity. Every person with dignity. 
And, um, you know, when I think about that, I think about an opportunity that we have in work. If I'm to treat everyone with dignity, how am I calling out the, the gifting and the potential out of someone else? And I can do that whether I am the employer or I am a colleague. How can I call out the gifting and the potential to see somebody flourish? Um, and it made me think about this, uh, this practice that I used to do back in the advertising agency I worked in. Something that I would do is I would make sure that I would put in a coffee and catch up with someone in my team. And during that time, it was really important that I spoke something over their life that pulled out that potential in them, that saw that potential in them. Um, and I really saw the value in it one day when I got an opportunity um, to, to speak to everybody. It was actually when I was leaving. Um, and I thought, you know what? You know how we can get really super spiro about prophecy? What is prophecy? Prophecy is bringing clarity to a word, speaking over someone's life. I love how it even talks about it's to build up and strengthen them. So I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to prophesy over every person in this agency. And what I did is I just went one by one. Zan, Zan didn't work for the agency. This is just for the example. Zan, absolute legend. I love working with you. What I love is that there is this calm strength with you and a deep passion. That's super deep. It can be really easy to go through life and people can always go, oh, check that out, guy out when they're like a flash in the pan. You know what I mean? It's like you see them and they're all passion one day and then the next day it's like, where are they going? And we need those people in our lives who have a calm strength and a deep passion to encourage others. Now that was true of you. And I shared words that were true of the people there. And you know what I loved? how the atmosphere began to change. What started happening is people started going, yeah, that's so true, that's just like them. Other people had tears in their face. Other people were having emo moments. But it was just as much prophecy as what was said before. It didn't have, surely saith the Lord, verily. And I didn't pull out a scripture for everyone. But what I could see was suddenly people were coming alive. And that's what it is to treat people with dignity is to see them come alive. I mean, even I, I was listening to a, there's a guy named Simon Sinek. Do we, anyone know who that guy is? He, he was even talking about this. I saw him talk about this very thing at a conference where he's talking about, you know, so many people come up to him and say, how can I get more out of the, my employees? And he goes, whoa, 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 wrong, wrong question. How can you see them flourish? Now, you might not be an employee or a boss or a manager, but you can do it with your colleagues. Make it a challenge this week. How are you going to treat someone with dignity and see them flourish? The next one, if God is our source, and he cares about our work because he's designed us to work. Here is another thing. He wants us to have integrity. 
okay? Here are a couple of scary verses for you. Proverbs 11, verses 1. I think this one's going to come up on the screen, hopefully. Yeah. The Lord, notice this word, detests dishonest scales, but accurate weights find favor with him. Um, And if we go to Proverbs 20, verse 23, he says it again. Just uses another word that I think is quite interesting. Uh, The Lord detests, in other translations, abhors (laughs) differing weights and dishonest scales. Do not please him. How important is it that we are honest, that we have integrity? If we are a follower of Jesus, if we are to love God with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength, the overflow of that is integrity. The overflow of that is honesty. In those opportunities where no one may know, you can get away with it. You know, I, I, uh, I, I will never forget doing this, um, this course at Auckland University on negotiation. And who's ever thought of negotiation as trying to hold or hide all the information so that you get the best end of the deal. I'm glad there's a few people who thought that. Terrible definition. Because that is all about that there is a winner and there's a loser. Negotiation should be about how can we see winners and winners. And they were even teaching this, winners and winners. Now, what we're not talking about is literally coming to a table and you lay everything out there, laid bare <laughs> and vulnerable, and then someone else isn't. No, we're talking about honesty and integrity. That in a business deal, how do I bring integrity into it? Um, and it even goes the other way. If you've ever been in a position where um, you know things aren't going well and you're trying to cover up... <laughs> Try and make yourself look good. Tip in the scale so it doesn't look like it's gone the other way, not in your favor and rebalancing. No, God calls us to bring integrity. And God blesses integrity and honesty. You know, I'll never forget this one time. Um, I had a very, very large client, okay? They were spending in seven figures, um, and we had been working on a campaign for them, and something went horribly wrong. <laughs> Who would enjoy something going horribly wrong when you've got a client of that size? No. I remember, what do you do? You all come together, you sit around a table, and you talk about it, and you're like, ah, oh, you know, what opportunities? How can we kind of spin it? <laughs> How can we save face in the middle of this? And I remember sitting at that table, and I felt so strong, conviction within me, we need to be honest. We need to be honest. And I put my hand up, and I said, I'm so sorry. We've got to stop what we're doing right now, looking at how we spin this. I believe we've just got to be honest. And I loved it. Um, my, my boss at that point said, you know what, I think you're right. Let's do it. You know, if you feel strongly about this, let's do it and see how it goes. It wasn't like it was an easy conversation. 
<laughs> it wasn't like they were like, thank you so much for being honest. There's a little bit of pain there. Might have been an awkward conversation. It might have been an awkward get on a plane and <laughs> get face to face. But do you know what happened after that moment? We worked through it and we built trust. And I've seen that time and time again. When you have integrity and you are open and at points where the scales aren't even and you have a conversation and you're honest and you're real, it builds trust. And trust takes time. And not to have trust risks it all falling away. Have integrity. Now, what I also love is Proverbs, I think it's 18 verse 16, says that a gift makes way for the giver. <laughs> and it's not talking about bribing. What it's talking about is an overflow of generosity. And I want to encourage you, you know, maybe this morning in your interactions, you might think about, I've got to make sure that that scale has integrity in the way that I act, in the way that I exchange with other people. But don't be afraid to tip it over in somebody's favor. I always love one thing that um, one of my old directors told me. It, he, he likened it to the days, he said, when his dad used to fill up a trailer full of gravel for someone. And he said his dad would always put a couple of extra spades, you know, just a little bit extra, see them on their way. Let's be people like that, that overflow the generosity. Yeah. At the bare minimum, equal scales, if all possible, overflow. But not the other way. God hates it. It says he hates it. Detests it. Um. Because of time, I'm going to give you this third one real quick, and then we're going to go to the last one. So the third one is build partnerships, not just transactional relationships. You know, if we are to treat people with dignity, if we are to have integrity, if we are to see the gospel that's transformed our lives, transform other lives, it means we've got to have real relationships, not just transactional ones. What's in it for me? And I've seen that work well in my life. You know, I've always told uh, people who've worked in my teams and the commercial world that there's two things that make a great relationship. One is a relationship. <laughs> and number two is results. And do you want to know why? Because if you're not got re you don't have results, a relationship will get you through. Someone will say, you know what? Sorry that it all went wrong. Let's give it another go. If you have results in your relationship, people will go, you know what, it's kind of working. We'll just see how things go. But if you have relationship and you have results, that's a relationship that's hard to break. That's when you become more like a partnership and you begin to share and there is trust that's built. But anyway, the last one, especially when I think about the gospel, how do we view our work as a space and a place for God to make better? So make the world a better place through your work. 
And you might look at your work and go, well, how do I do that? Because the gospel extends. Sure, it's about salvation, 100%. It's about people. But it's also about putting, as we used to joke about it, bread on people's tables. What I love, Dave, is what you're doing is you're putting bread on people's tables, right? Alan, what you do puts bread on people's tables, gives people an opportunity to work and to earn. Um, But it also extends to the products that we make, the services that we offer, the businesses we work within. How do they make the world a better place? And it could be like this. Here's a thought. I always, um, you know, I always love that that where, where I worked, we always made a space to do something that had purpose. And this might inspire you, even in your job, maybe as an employee, create a little bit of space to have purpose and to make purpose and how you can encourage people or do something that makes the world a better place. And, and um, you know, for me, what that looked like, we were an advertising agency, so what could we do that could actually have an impact on lives, not just sell another product? Because sometimes it feels a bit hard when you sell another product, eh? Um, And so uh, we did things like, I love, you know, I'm so proud of, um, you know, with New Zealand Blood Service, helping ensure that we connected people to the supply of blood. Because if we don't have blood in our hospitals, people die. Literally. And just the act of donating blood can save up to three lives. So what we did is we worked so hard to come up with a system that as soon as there was a particular blood type needed, the right people with that blood type could know so they could go give blood. And then we created a system that would go from just passive online to how it would kick in with radio, with TV. What I loved about that was that was creating a moment of some of our time, and we didn't fully charge them what it was worth, but we knew that it would impact lives, it would make the world better. Quit line. You know, I felt incredibly privileged that one of the last things I did before coming on staff here was we did a campaign uh, for quit line. Everyone know who quit line is? Yeah. Um, every time they talk about the same things. Quit for your own health. Quit for your family. Quit for your money. And yet, it takes 9 to 13 times to try and quit smoking. So we did something a little bit different. We told a whole story about a dog. And this story about a dog was about the relationship that we have with our animals. Who knows that some people treat them like kids? It's okay. It's a natural phenomenon. And the the relationship between a dog and his owner, and then you see it's all from the point of view of a dog. This dog began to slow down, exhibit being sick, and finally taken to a vet where the point of view changes. And then here comes the gut punch. When you smoke, your pets are twice as likely to get cancer. It was the first time they played with something like animals. That ad caused the most people in their history to go to quit line to register to quit smoking. Not only did that happen, but around the world, people were contacting 
via local agencies, even New Zealand quit line, wanting to quit smoking. With a little bit of time, carving out, going, we want to do something that has purpose to make our world a better place. Now, you might not have that same opportunity, but I want to encourage you in this. I shared it at youth the other night. We live in the most connected generation, right? Thanks to this thing that's in my chair so I wouldn't get distracted, my phone. We are more connected than ever. We have the most opportunities of any generation that ever lived. You know, that's one of the things I am even cognizant of as we celebrated and remembered Anzac today, that we have more opportunities than my grandfather ever had. He would be stoked if he was alive today to see the opportunities that I have and my kids have. Yet, we are the most disconnected emotionally, the most broken, the most overwhelmed, the highest rates of anxiety, depression ever. What polar opposites? Most connected, most opportunities, most overwhelmed, most anxious, most depressed, most emotionally disconnected ever. And this is what I want to encourage you in, that if the gospel has impacted your life, that you are transformed, that rather than creating these different boxes where you compartmentalize God and church and my relationships and my family and and friendships and then this work thing. Let's change our perspective. Let's see Monday as an opportunity to connect with somebody. Let's see Monday as an opportunity to see someone flourish, to share a word that will encourage them. Let's see Tuesday as an opportunity when the scales might tip the other way to rebalance them or to even tip them in the favor of somebody else and see someone blessed. Doesn't mean you need to give them a two for one when they didn't (laughs) ask for them, but it could be even in your manner. Could even be in buying somebody a coffee when you meet with them. Let's think about partnerships that see people as having dignity rather than just transactional. And let's think of what are those moments that I can carve out when I'm planning my week. Does anybody look at their Monday and think about what they can do, little things they can do in their calendar? You know what I do? I plan out things. Why don't we use this as an opportunity to mark out what we can do for someone else, what we can do to make the world a better place. Maybe to have an idea that not only just sells money, Sales money. That's an interesting idea. Not only makes money, but does good too. Your employers will love you for it. Businesses will love you for it. Who knows? It might launch you into a dream that you have. But above all else, do it because as we let the gospel impact the way that we work in our relationships, we begin to see that prayer that Jesus prayed that God let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why don't we stand this morning?
And I want to pray for all of us. Now, after the service, um, you know, when we go in for coffees and things like that, I do want to open up the altar if anybody wants prayer for anything specific. But right now, we've got a little bit over time. Thank you for your attention. But what an awesome service, right? So cool to be able to cram in, like we're doing Anzac, we're doing worship, a word, other things. But I want to pray for all of us because I think this impacts all of us, right? Cool. So why don't you join with me this morning? God, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, I pray for um, each person here as they leave, that God, this week their eyes will be open to the opportunities in their own workplaces. God, that they will be able to see, Lord, your transformative power that's in them, working through them. God, I pray for opportunities where people can flourish. Lord, I pray that that word would transform a life. Lord, I thank you, God, as our source, that if there is a business decision to be made, that, God, that you would be true to your word and the fact that you provide our seed and you provide our bread, that, God, you would bring favor. God, I pray, Lord, just in, in the moments, God, where people have opportunities to, to take some of their time and what do they do with it, Lord, I pray that you give them dreams and visions that bring purpose, that make our world a better place. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Jesus' name, that, Lord, that we would see you moving in our communities. You know, even as we pray there, I'm mindful of a just a word that God had given me last year as I was praying. I think it was up in a room actually with Pastor Donna and Pastor John and Paul. We're up in a room and, and I just remember God bringing to mind that promise that He made to Abraham that He would be blessed, that from Him would come a nation, that the nations of the earth would be blessed. And I love that we see that in Jesus, that from Abraham came a nation and then came Jesus who was born and who died and rose again, that we all would have life, that we could all be set free like Zan mentioned so perfectly. But it also says that people will be blessed because of you. And church, I just wanna encourage you in this moment that we are blessed people, but it's not just for us, it's for us to overflow. And let's be people that walk in that space where the people that come into contact with us are blessed because of us, that because of your business, they're blessed. Because you work in that business, they are blessed. Let's be those people in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We pray that you would activate something in your life and shift your life towards Jesus. If you like what you heard and you want to hear more, just click follow. We love you. Have a blessed week.